Oral questions by members? Member for West Vancouver Capilano. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The surge of violence that began under the Premier's watch as a soft-on-crime Attorney General continues to devastate communities like Nanaimo. On Monday, in broad daylight, a 27-year-old woman was heading back to work when she was the victim of a violent, random assault. This was a prolific offender who appeared out of nowhere, grabbing her by the throat and sexually assaulting her. When she broke free and ran, he chased her, screaming that he was going to kill her. I can't even imagine how terrifying that would be. So how much longer will people be forced to live in fear as a result of this Premier's catch and release policies? Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I thank the, uh, the member for the question. Um, and the uh, event that she describes is a horrific event, uh, which all of us um, absolutely just abhor. Uh, the individual has been arrested and will face the consequences of the justice system. And it is my expectation that if they are found, when they are found guilty, that they are sentenced to a very long time behind bars, because that's what should happen to individuals in these kinds of cases. But what I can also tell a member is that we are doing everything we can to ensure that laws are strengthened around issues of bail and bail reform, which is why we've worked with other provinces and the federal government in this province has taken a leadership role in that regard uh, to deal with the issue of reverse onus and so that those who pose a danger are not released. And I can assure the member that we will continue that work and other initiatives. But what's clear is that uh, we will continue to work to ensure that our communities are safe. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano, supplemental. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, that response offers cold comfort uh, to the woman who was brutally attacked in this random sexual assault. People in Nanaimo need more than just talk. They need results, and they need to be able to feel safe in their own community. With 28 separate criminal court files, Brett Ranger is a dangerous, violent, prolific offender. The fact that he is today being remanded until April 4th is again cold comfort to his victims. He has a lengthy criminal record, yet was left free to terrorize more victims under this Premier's catch and release system. The violence on our streets, as we have seen day after day, and, and the last few days has just been more than we can even imagine, the violence on our street has made people feel more vulnerable and unsafe than ever. Mr. Speaker, the question to the Premier, is he going to put the rights of victims of repeat violent offenders ahead of the rights of those, to, those violent offenders to be released back into communities like Nanaimo? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. And again, I thank the member for the question. And I want to assure the member that we take the rights of victims very seriously. That's why we restored funding increased it by more than 70% for victims of crime. When during the time that your party was on this side of the House, increases did not happen. In terms of results, Honourable Speaker, that's why we went to Ottawa to get bail reform. We made it a priority. 
This province made it a priority. Other provinces worked with us to get the federal government to make the changes that we need to see happen, Honourable Speaker. This province has put in place initiative in terms of ensuring that police have the tools that they need, tools that they decide that they need and tell us that they want. That's why we funded the additional 270 positions for RCMP members in small rural communities right around this province. It's also why we have restored funding to sexual assault centers so that when these types of crimes happen, women know that there are places where they can go for help and assistance. Those are initiatives that this government has taken and will continue to take, Honourable Speaker, because everybody deserves to feel safe wherever they live in this province. And we want to also make sure that those who are found guilty through our independent judicial system, they serve a long time behind bars where they should be, Honourable Speaker. But make no mistake, this government is absolutely committed to ensuring the safety of British Columbians wherever they are in this province. Member for Surrey South. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. These initiatives that the minister is speaking of and some of the things the government is working on, they come into effect, first of all, they're announced to take place years from now and are affecting people who already become the victim of crime. What is this government doing to step up and prevent people from becoming victims? It's all fine and dandy to bring things into effect that will help people after they become victims. But why must we wait for action until people are suffering? They've become victims of crime. They've been sexually assaulted. Or even worse, that they've lost their life to violent criminals. Even the Premier's own hand-picked expert, Doug Lepard, acknowledges that BC stands alone with a 40% decrease in the number of people in jail now out on the streets thanks to this government's soft on crime policies. And in the Premier's five years as Attorney General, violent crime has more than doubled in Nanaimo, from 1,200 reports to over 2,600. Colin Middleton of the Nanaimo Area Public Safety Association says, quote, they're literally playing Russian roulette right now with the lives of people in Nanaimo. We're sick of it. We're done, end quote. Innocent lives are put at risk by the Premier's catch and release policies while prolific offenders like Brett Ranger continue to be released and wreak havoc in our communities. How much longer will communities like Nanaimo have to suffer the consequences of the soft on crime Premier's failed catch and release policies? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I thank the member for the question. Um, I want to make it clear, right from the point when this government was sworn in, this government, the Attorney General, now Premier, the former Premier, have made public safety a priority, putting in place initiatives that could have been put in place in this government many years before, but weren't, Honourable Speaker. We work with police to identify their priorities. Police said they... Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Police said putting in place a witness protection program to build strong cases against organized crime and gangsters, Honourable Speaker, was a priority for them. 
We put that in place, Honourable Speaker. That has resulted in a significant uh, increase in convictions for murders and solvings of murders that, that were, in essence, cold cases, Honourable Speaker. Police identified the need for a forensic firearms lab, Honourable Speaker, so that we weren't sending weapons to, uh, to Ottawa for analysis, being able to do better forensics here in this province. We put that in place, Honourable Speaker. We identified the issues around uh, listening to local government in terms of what the challenges they were facing in their communities. That led to the Lepard Butler Report and the red to initiatives which were being implemented, Honourable Speaker, already and new ones being put in place. It's not a question of waiting. We identified the, the challenges in terms of vacancies in, in British Columbia and small and rural parts of the province. That's why we put in place the funding for RCMP for 274 new officers. Vacants. We get the, the smirks from the other side, Honourable Speaker, when they profess to be concerned about public safety, Honourable Speaker. Yep. Members, 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 members. Members, both sides. Both sides. Minister will continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Let's be clear. We've been taking initiatives since we formed government day one, initiatives at the federal, provincial, and local government le level, and we will continue to do that. We will continue to work with the professionals on the ground who know what needs to be done in terms of policing, in terms on the social side of things, to ensure that people in this province are safe. Member for Surrey South Supplemental. Mr. Speaker, this government has announced initiatives, but it's results that they haven't delivered for British Columbians. In my community in Surrey, children were among 30 people at the Guilford Landmark Cinema who were randomly attacked by a man wielding pepper spray this weekend. Families can't even visit a coffee shop or go to the movies without having to worry about a random attack in British Columbia. And this Premier is the architect of catch and release, and this Premier has consistently put the rights of criminals above the rights of communities throughout his entire career in and out of politics. And while Housing Member Minister, this Premier Members. is the one who warehoused. Members, please, let's listen to the question. Well, I, see, I see someone laughing on that side, Mr. Speaker. Minister Rankin, goodness. Thank you. Please, please, members, members, Members. Okay, members. That's enough. Please. Member will continue. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It was while this Premier was Housing Minister that he warehoused people without proper mental health supports, creating chaos in neighbourhoods across the province. When will the brutal random attacks, which have become the norm under this Premier, under his catch and release system, when will they finally end? Minister. 
Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, and I'm glad the member raised the, uh, the questions uh, about her community from Surrey because the issue of bear spray is one that we were well aware of. That's why when we went to Ottawa, we worked with Manitoba to get that changed so that people who engage in those kinds of crimes with, with bear spray are now included on the reverse onus as to why they should not be getting bail, Honourable Speaker. That was, that was action taken. Oh, and the member now wants to talk about victims. Well, let's talk about victims. You cut. You failed. You, Members, you please. Failed. Your government failed when they sat on this side of the House to increase funding for victims. In fact, Honourable Speaker, you cut funding to sexual assault centres, Honourable Speaker. Your government cut funding, Honourable Speaker. And again, Honourable Speaker, and again, Honourable Speaker, the member Members. The members. Members. Member. Through the chair, please. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And again, the member talks about Surrey. And I will make this comment about Surrey. The re the reason we put in place, Honourable Speaker, the Victims um, Protection Program, which police wanted to deal in part with the significant challenges that were faced in Surrey, this government put that in place, Honourable Speaker, not them when they sat on this side of the House. And what I want to tell this House, Honourable Speaker, that the success of that program has resulted in more than 270 uh, convictions. Um, uh, 419 charges, 134 murder charges, and 74, 77 firearms charges result. Members, every single one of them. Murder cases solved, convicted, sentenced to jail for more than 276 years, exactly where they belong. This side of the House takes public safety seriously, and we will continue to do that. House Leader of Third Party. Mr. Speaker, we've heard the Minister of Public Safety say that he takes the uh, rights of victims seriously. How about the rights of the victims of colonialism, Mr. Speaker. In November, the BC NDP government announced that it would provide $230 million to bolster staffing in rural police departments. It appears $36 million of those funds were designated for, quote, police response to unlawful protests, end quote. My question is to the Minister of Public Safety. Is this $36 million allocated to the RCMP Community Industry Response Group? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the, uh, the question from the member. And what I want to tell him is that $36 million is over three years. Uh, it is based on an average that we have spent in this province over the last number of years in terms of dealing with uh, the enforcement uh, of court-ordered uh, injunctions. Uh, we have in this province an independent judiciary, uh, courts who make court orders, uh, and it is the responsibility of the police to enforce those court orders. That comes with costs. Uh, so as part of the budget process, uh, we have to ensure that there is money in place to do just that. Uh, we put in place an average of what has been spent over the last number of years, uh, and that is a three-year sum that the figure that the member is talking about, and it works out to about, I think last year was around $11 million. House Leader Third Party Supplemental. Yeah, um, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And of course, those injunctions are protecting the rights of corporations, not the rights of Indigenous people that have existed and belong to the lands uh, that these resource projects aren't being undertaken on. 
The Community Industry Response Group, or CURG as it's known, was created in 2017 to support the construction of the Coastal GasLink pipeline and the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion projects in the face of broad public opposition and Indigenous assertions of jurisdiction. The CURG has been accused of unlawful use of force, arrests, detentions and assaults against Indigenous and non-Indigenous land defenders, Mr. Speaker, many of whom are my constituents, many of whom I would consider elders from my riding. Mr. Speaker, right now this crew is rolling, and the, the Minister knows this, rolling on Indigenous people in their own territories as we speak. The RCMP unit now faces several lawsuits and investigations for misconduct. The RCMP's Civilian Review and P Complaints Commission announced two weeks ago that they're conducting a, quote, systemic investigation, end quote, of Kirk. A national coalition is calling for the suspension of Kirk while the CRCC investigates these hundreds of complaints against the unit. The CRCC reviews can take up years to complete. The extent of the human rights abuses and violations of Indigenous peoples on their own lands by this unit has not yet fully come to light. How does this government justify giving a controversial RCMP unit tens of millions of dollars, and will this BC NDP government stand this militarized police unit down while they're under this investigation? Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I uh, appreciate the question from the member, and I would like to make a couple of points. First off, we have an independent judiciary in this country that makes laws, or that, that makes rulings, uh, and uh, issues uh, an, an, an injunction. Um, it's the responsibility of the police to, to, to enforce that. And you cannot, you cannot on one hand, um, say, hey, um, we like this ruling, so great that we've got an independent judiciary, and on the other hand, say, oh, well, we disagree with this ruling, so the, 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 the whole process is nothing just to protect a special interest group, Honourable Speaker. Shh, the shh, shh. Shh. Please. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. No, that's not a false in, uh, argument. It's the fact we have an independent judiciary in this country, which is a cornerstone of our democracy, and it's one, I think, that does a very effective job. What I, Members, what I would also say, Honourable Speaker, it's not giving money. The police have a job to do, which is to enforce a court-ordered injunction. That it costs money to do that. Uh, we have to pay for the costs of the, uh, the policing that takes place in the course of the enforcement of these, these injunctions. We budget for it based on the amount of money that has been spent on an annual basis over the last number of years, uh, and that is our best estimate. In some cases, it may cost more. In some cases, it may cost less. And if it costs less, that money can go somewhere else, Honourable Speaker. But it is not a case of just giving money uh, and saying, do with it what you will. It's because the courts have said, we want the injunction enforced. And they have the responsibility to do that, Honourable Member. And I understand that you don't like it, but that's the fact. Official Opposition House Leader. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, let's be clear. The uh, rampant random attacks, the vandalism, the social disorder that's getting worse by the day lies at the feet of this Premier, who also happened to be the Attorney General for five and a half years. It was this Premier who was responsible for buying motels in communities across BC and warehousing the mentally ill and addicted, some of our most vulnerable citizens, with no supports except publicly provided addictive <coughs> drugs. 
It was this Premier who, through every policy choice he made as Attorney General, put the rights of repeat violent offenders above the right of British Columbians to be safe and feel safe in their communities. And, Mr. Speaker, the Premier has been consistent with this bias his entire private and public career. Now, as people suffer brutal violence and random attacks in downtown Vancouver, local small businesses are caught in the crossfire. One in ten storefronts in Vancouver now stands vacant under this government. In the area of Hastings Crossing, vacancies are at a staggering 28%. Desperate businesses are begging for support and through the Business Improvement Areas Association of British Columbia have proposed that this government create a fund to mitigate the devastating impacts of vandalism and property crime on small business. Broken windows, theft and vandalism are costing shop owners thousands upon thousands of dollars, but there's no support for them in the NDP's budget. My question to the Premier is this. Will the Premier reverse course and say yes to this proposal to create a fund to combat the soaring costs of random violence and vandalism that's literally decimating small businesses and communities right across British Columbia? Minister of Jobs and Economic Development. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you to the member opposite for the question. These are um, very challenging times for small businesses, Mr. Speaker, and uh, I myself have been a small business person, and I think often about the challenges that these businesses are faced with. Um, it's uh, one thing after another, it seems very much, for small businesses in regards to the effects of the pandemic and the uh, supply chain challenges, the increase in um, the increase members, in uh, members, borrowing funds. Members, many small businesses. Members. Many small businesses have um, come through the pandemic with the support that we provided them, Mr. Speaker. More than five hundred million dollars worth of support. And while this is very helpful to small businesses, I am listening to small businesses, Mr. Speaker. They are facing challenges, and this is important to us. We know that small businesses make up 98% of the businesses in our communities, Mr. Speaker. They're incredibly important to us, and I look forward to continuing to do the work with them to ensure their success. Opposition Australia Supplemental. Well, Mr. Speaker, uh, the minister standing up and saying that small businesses are important to, to her and important to the government is cold comfort for the small businesses out there that are being decimated. This, this, this premier, as I said in my previous question, every single opportunity that he has had, whether it was as Attorney General, as Minister of Housing, or now as the Premier of British Columbia, he has consistently, through his policy choices, he has put the rights of violent offenders to reoffend over the rights of British Columbians to be safe in their communities. And in addition to the public safety issue, this has meant small businesses are caught in the middle. Uh, thefts, windows broken, vandalism, on and on and on the list goes. And the members opposite are getting the same emails that we're all getting in, in the opposition from these small businesses. Not a single penny in the NDP's budget to help small businesses with this social disorder which is caused by the government's policies. Uh, but you know, we're the small business is important to us. Give me a break. Just today, just today, Vancouver police stated that they have arrested 217 people over the course of a three-week period for violent 
retail thefts. In one incident, a man with 37 criminal convictions entered a dollar store near Granville Street and threatened staff with a knife. Sar uh, staff Sergeant Mario Mastrupieri of the VPD says, and I quote, in Vancouver, we continue to see an alarming trend of repeat offenders and people using violence to commit their crimes. Business owners are frustrated by the financial losses and by the danger employees face for merely coming to work to earn a living, end quote. Mr. Speaker, the soft on crime premier's catch and release justice system is causing <coughs> havoc for local businesses and threatening the safety of their employees and their customers alike. When will the Premier step up and take the necessary actions which will actually deliver positive results and end the, the random violence and vandalism which is uh, plaguing small businesses all over British Columbia? Minister of Public Safety. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I uh, appreciate the question. Uh, from uh, the member across the way. Uh, and uh, I'd like to point out, because he seemed to forget something in his, uh, in his little thing when he quoted uh, the VPD. Um, retail crime is growing in major cities throughout North America and in Vancouver. This isn't just a Vancouver problem. This is a problem North America-wide. And that is... Thank you, Honourable Speaker. This is a problem North America-wide. It's why we've had to take an approach that works with all levels of government, Honourable Speaker. It's working with the City of Vancouver on addressing the social issues around housing and mental health and addiction. It's working with police to identify the tools and the resources that they need to be able to do these kinds of sting operations, Honourable Speaker, that take these individuals off the streets. It's working with the federal government so that we can get changes to Bill C-75 in terms of reverse onus so that the unintended consequences from that piece of legislation are in fact corrected. And I know they don't like to hear it, but this province, this Premier, took a leadership role on that issue, Honourable Speaker, and we will continue to do that. That's why we've increased funding to deal with the mental health issues in terms of the peer-assisted care teams that communities have been asking for, <clears throat> to expand the CAR program that communities have been asking for, Honourable Speaker that police have been asking for. Those are initiatives that this government has, has taken and will continue to take. It's why in small communities, when they're facing these kinds of similar problems, that we are funding the addition of 277 police officers that will be able to assist communities. It's why when we were government, Honourable Speaker, we put in place the surge teams in communities such as Terrace, Prince George, Kelowna and Kamloops all of which those communities have said have worked extremely well. We have done a lot, Honourable Speaker, but we know there's a lot more to do. And we are working with the business community, local government, other provinces and the federal government to put in place the initiatives to deal with these kinds of crimes and criminals, Honourable Speaker. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, this Premier be it as Attorney General, be it as Premier, be it as uh, life before a politician, has done nothing but defend the rights of lawbreakers over the rights of victims. And the Solicitor General can mention victims today. It's too bad this government did not use the word victim once with any dollars especially attached to it in their most recent budget. The word victim doesn't show up in that budget one time. 
The facts are very simple, Mr. Speaker. The Premier's hand-picked expert, Doug Lepard, pointed out, BC stands alone based on this Premier's soft-on-crime policies of a 40% decrease in the number of people in jail in British Columbia compared to the rest of the, pro of the country that the Solicitor General likes to try to deflect away. I have news for the Solicitor General. The people of BC expect this government to deal with issues within BC and actually create safe streets. So let's look at the crime stats, BC's Violent Crime Severity Index. They've increased 30% under this soft on crime Premier's watch. 75% increase in the rate of no charge assessment under this Premier's watch. Vancouver is averaging four unprovoked stranger assaults per day, which are getting more and more violent every single day under this soft on crime Premier's watch. Serious assaults involving weapons or bodily harm in Vancouver, they're up over 30% compared to 2017 under this soft on crime premier's watch. And in 2022, over 91,000, or a 49% of non-emergency calls wound up being abandoned by Ecom under this soft on crime attorney general's watch. Mr. Speaker, the system is broken. This government is failing on every measure. When can, community, when can communities meaningfully see some results that will actually make them safer on their streets instead of the continual passing of the buck that we see from the Solicitor General and whichever Attorney General might happen to be filling the role there today. Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Only an opposition that doesn't understand how our criminal justice system works would say pass that going to Ottawa is passing the buck. And honourable speaker, when it comes to victims, when it comes to Members. victims and victims of crime and support for victims of crime, honourable speaker, let's just refresh that member's record as governments on this side of the house when they sat on this side of the house. Shh. Members, members, members will stop now, please. Minister will continue. Thank you, honourable speaker. When gang violence ran rampant in the Lower Mainland when they sat on this side of the House? Did they increase service for victims, Honourable Speaker? No, they didn't. They cut it. They cut it. In, 20, in 2009, Honourable Speaker, in 2009, Honourable Speaker, in the budget then, they spent $42 million. In 2017, Honourable Speaker, uh, uh, in, their, in their budget that they tabled, they spent $40 million, Honourable Speaker. $40 million. In 2018, when we took office, our first budget, we went from 48 million, we put $48 million in. This budget, the budget that he says doesn't do anything for victims, Honourable Speaker, $78 million. But more important, but more, but more important, but more important, Honourable Speaker. Members. Members, members, enough. Please be quiet. We'll continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And 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 for the leader, for the leaderless opposition, this side of the House, Honourable Speaker, will continue to make investments in policing, 
in communities right across this province. We will continue to expand the CAR program, Honourable Speaker, which we are doing. We will continue to put in place peer-assisted care teams, Honourable Speaker, which communities have been asking for. We will continue to work with law enforcement, social service agencies, with communities. Thank and you. I know they don't seem to understand it, Honourable Speaker, but we will also continue to work with the federal government who has responsibility for the criminal code of this country, which the vast number of people in this province understand, to get changes put in place that will protect people and make communities safer. It's unfortunate that they don't get that. The balance, the balance question period.